Welcome everyone to another Bolt from the Blue podcast. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. Some very interesting uh, news coming up. The main focus, of course, is that game against Fulham. Bit of, bit of heart palpitations there. But uh, let's see who we've got in the house. Do we have uh, Janine Bernard? Yes, yes. My my heart's uh, calmed down now. It was a, it was a little bit palpitating, certainly up, up where we were on uh, on Saturday when. when he took that penalty. We'll talk about it, obviously, but it looked as though it'd been saved to me. So uh, yes, my, my heart did take a little while to settle down. Yep. And do we have Bubbles Ray? I am here as well. And as as that uh, old pet shop boy's uh, song goes, my heart misses a beat, and I'm sure a few uh, hearts missed a few beats on Saturday it evening. It is indeed. We'll we'll start off in the traditional way, guys. Looking at the lineup, so we've got Ederson, Stones, Akanji, Ake, Cancelo, Rodri, De Bruyne, Silva, Gundogan, Grealish, Alvarez. Really quite strong. Uh, just uh, looking very quickly at the bench also. So we got Ortega, uh, Diaz, uh, Holland, Laporte, Gomez, Mares, Foden, Palmer, and Lewis. Anyway, for that um, first eleven, how'd you do, Bernard? I got nine. I got nine. I was happy with that. Uh, I was glad Aki was playing. I didn't have Aki in my team. Uh, yeah, so I was pretty chuffed with nine, to be honest with you. I thought, um, you know, when I initially looked at it, I thought, oh, I've got ten then, and then obviously I realised I got nine, but I'm not going to make any excuses that I'll have to do. <laughs> yeah, okay. I got nine. Probably different yeah. nine to Bernard, because I let Pep fool me. I let Pep fool me. <laughs> I included Ireland and Foden. In mind, instead of Grealish and uh, Gunduan. I mean, to be honest, I'm a bit brassed off with Mr. Mr. Pep because last week he said in the press conference, uh, last weekend's game, he said similar thing to this weekend's game. We'll see after training. You've got training this afternoon. We'll see if Haaland's going to be fit. And Haaland wasn't ready for last weekend's. And this weekend, he said pretty much the same. If you want to read, you can read between the lines and say, well, Pep was basically telling that he wasn't going to be starting because then he did went on to say. That we not we'll we'll check after the um, training to see whether you know he can play 90 minutes or 40 you know or, or less, and maybe that should have given a clue that Harlan wasn't going to start. But I still go back. I'm still going to mention it again because that's the kind of guy I am. Harlan should ne- never have played against Dortmund, and he'd have been fit for both these games, and we'd have stuffed these teams out of sight without any palpitations. Looking at that um, Fulham lineup, uh, Bernard, uh, any uh, potential threats? Anybody? Impressing you looking at that lineup? Well, I think we're all pretty chuffed. Mitrovic wasn't playing. I think I think that was the big thing for me. Um, I think there were total. I think Silva's tactics totally changed the fact he didn't have have that guy available. I like Pereira. I like him. He's a good player. Obviously, Willian's still knocking a lot. He must be about forty-two years old now. He's still uh, knocking knocking around. But yeah, no no real problem. I was just quite chuffed to find out that all Mitro wasn't playing. So that does that'll do for me. Pop quiz, Ray. Which former City player was on the Bench for Fulham. Difficult to pronounce name. Oh, Fulham. Oh, Tosin Adrabayo. Adrabayo uh, was on the bench for them. All right. So let's uh, get started now. Was anyone at this game? Yep. Big bad B. Okay. <laughs> yep. Okay. So tell us, tell us about uh, the atmosphere pre-game and what your feelings, expectations were, Bernard. Well, I think we were confident. I think I think we had a right to be confident. You know, all right. We didn't have Haaland, uh, which was a bit of a blow. But he was on the bench, so we knew if things were going wrong, you could probably bring him on. But uh, we expected a bit of a better, perhaps, uh, set-up from Fulham. But as I said, uh, I think I think very early doors, we, we could see what their game was. They weren't going to come and take us on, that was for sure. And I think, as I said, I think Marco Silva's uh, uh, tactics changed because he didn't have his striker up top. So he, he sort of was very limited with what he did. But, uh, yeah, the atmosphere was OK. Not fantastic. Fulham are not the... Not the greatest um, of uh, noisy support uh, at their own place, but they were okay. They're okay. I've, I've heard worse, put it that way. But uh, yeah, we, but it was a bit of a slow start, I think, uh, by City, wasn't it? Uh, certainly for the first ten or fifteen minutes, we didn't do do that much apart from a KDB blast from about twenty-five yards when he perhaps could have found Alvarez at one stage as well. But no, it's fairly quiet. Okay, off the pitch and fairly quiet on the pitch. Seventeen minutes in. Take it away. Take it away with Mr. Alvarez then. Uh, yeah, he scored a goal after was it 16, 17 minutes? Um, look, I mean, I think generally, I think it's fair to say we had a lot, a lot of possession at the start. We knew Fulham's game plan was just going to be to pretty much defend 
and try and hit us on either the break or a you know a set piece. And that's like sadly most teams when they come to City, uh, that's what what they tend to do: shut up shop and hope to to get lucky. Um, so yeah, Gundogan picked the ball up in the, in the middle of the park. He he strode confidently through for about 10, 15, 20 yards, and he slipped in Alvarez, um, who was probably by the time the ball was played about 25 yards out, and he, he took the ball in, in his stride. It was it was perfect, uh, perfectly weighted pass, and he absolutely leathered it into the roof of the net with the goalie going the other way. Um, you know, I'm, I'll get my negativity in nice and early. Uh, he didn't look. He didn't look at all at the keeper. I mean, he he just had his head down, and he was a bit Sergio Aguero esque, if I may say, uh, say so. He just absolutely put his foot through the back of that ball, and he, he slammed it home. You know, um, goalie. I don't think he could have saved it because he's he he's got to make that decision. And you, normally, you'd expect the, the the striker to hit it across you into the far corner. And Alvarez just hit it into the roof, you know, above the goalkeeper. I don't think he had much of a chance unless he had stood tall and stood still. And he had to make that 50-50 call and he got it wrong. Uh, but I would have much preferred Alvarez just to have placed it in. This, you know, um, it just means that next time when you're up on one-on-one, you keep placing them. Like Fran Torres, I used to say about him, one good thing about him was he placed the ball in the net. He didn't hit and hope. Alvarez was a for all the power and the accuracy and he got it on target and it was a great goal and everything else, it was a bit of a hit and hope because you didn't even look at the keeper. You didn't pay any attention to what he was doing. But, you know, it's still a good goal. Mm-hmm. What did you think of it? Did you get a good view of it, Bernard? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the thing is with Alvarez, though, that's what he does. I mean, you watch all the River Plate goals, a lot of them are hitting the roof of the net. And uh, I was a bit uh, surprised, actually, that uh, Leno had committed himself because... Surely when they, they watch these games back and they watch players, uh, for me as a goalkeeper, you would expect that from Alvarez because that, that's what he tends to do. He does tend to put his foot through it and uh, hit it high. So great stuff. The coaching staff didn't pick up on it. It was a great goal. I think in the words of the new song we've got, scoring goals is what he does best and he goes by the name of Alvarez. So, I mean, what more can we say? Absolutely fantastic. And uh, yeah, all credit to Alvarez. But as, as Ray said there, I thought the goalie was slightly at fault. He'd already committed himself, assuming it's going to be put into the far corner. And Alvarez uh, caught him out. Does that song rhyme, Bernard? <laughs> no, but it's a forced rhyme. If you if you listen to the song about the plays in blue and white and uh, all this, it, it's, it's like one of those poems that it doesn't really rhyme, but it sort of forces I, I guess, itself to work. I, I guess after you've had six or seven ales, it doesn't matter, yeah. does it? Yeah, because the other two lies don't rhyme either, but it, it goes well. It's fine. It's absolutely spot on. I, I'll take it. <laughs> Well, Ray, the the shocker that I was actually referring to um, was uh, what came 10 minutes later. Let's talk about Mr. Cancelo, first of all. There you go. Move on. (laughs) It was it was a shocking decision. I think Pep afterwards said, let them score. Let them score. You've got 65 minutes or whatever, 55 minutes to, you know, to to recover. I said the same about Gomez the other week when we played against Copenhagen and he uh, made the foul in the box, uh, give away a penalty, if I remember correctly, uh, uh, and he got sent off. Just let the guy through. Let them do whatever they want to do because we are a much, much better team, more likely to win, create chances and win games and score lots of goals if we've got 11 players on the pitch. One Losing a goal isn't the end of the world. Losing a player generally tends to be very difficult for City to come back. And Bernard has given us some stats the other week. Uh, I think it was after the Copenhagen game, City really struggled to come back. Um, you know, we need those 11 players on the pitch. So it was, look, it, it wasn't a terrible foul. I think Akanji or Rodri might have got away with that, but not Mr. Cancelo. And it's in the box. It was rash, silly, foolish, stupid, um, you know, naive. Call it what you will. It, it was It was a bad one to make. Uh, and he got himself deservedly. You can't argue about that. He denied a goal-scoring opportunity, and and he didn't need to push the guy that hard um, to knock him over. And you know he got what he deserved. Bernard, uh, Mr. Cancelo is um, he's he's committing quite the number of gaffes recently, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, if you add that to the Liverpool thing, I must admit when I 
at the match, we obviously don't get it was up the other end, so we didn't get the greatest view, and they didn't show it on the big screen or anything like that. But uh, you just knew from the crowd's reaction that it was they'd done something really stupid, and uh, obviously following on from the Liverpool incident not so long ago. I mean, it's, it's sort of credits fast fast running out, isn't it? As far as defending in and around, uh, you know, in his own half's concerned. So very disappointing for me very and as i think pep did add as well um edison can save some you know as well and i i thought to be honest with you looking at it on replay uh, i thought edison might have come and got out and smothered it anyway so uh, it was just an idiot absolute idiot and uh, i think so i i i've dropped him for tomorrow he's not in my, for wednesday i'm not, i'm not putting him in my team for wednesday cuz uh, he doesn't deserve to play on wednesday uh, after that what do you think I I I chuck him in simply because he's not going to play next Saturday. I chuck him in um, because we don't care now. You know, um, he's going away with Portugal um, uh, for the World Cup, so I'd chuck him in on Wednesday. I wouldn't have probably played him on Wednesday, and I'd played somebody else. But I I I think I'd be tempted to to give him an hour. If you're going to play Gomez, I'd give Gomez 30 minutes uh, against. I'd Chelsea. rather stick Ray. I'd rather stick Ray on than Cancelo. To be honest with you, I'd rather play Ray. <laughs> I tell you what. To give myself credit, I would not have made that foul. Absolutely not. I would have, I'd have been 10 yards away from You wouldn't have got to him. You wouldn't have reached him. Never mind, I made the foul. I, would, I, I, I wouldn't have even got to him with my 10-foot badge pole. Um, <laughs> hey, ladies. No, sorry. That's a, that's another story. Um, but no, no I, I certainly won't have been pushing somebody in the back in the penalty area in these days of VAR. What chance? I mean, you've got to be real. Let's be honest. You've got to unless be real. Unless you're Liverpool, of course, and you, you can get away with it. That's fine. You've got to be a buffoon of the highest order to think that either the referee's not going to give it or the, the lineman's not going to give it and VAR is not going to give it. In this day and age, you simply cannot make stupid decisions like that. And we've had VAR in, what, five or six years? You're not going to generally... More often, more often than not, you ain't getting away with that. So it was stupid. And look, in a different game, that would have cost, it cost us. And to be honest, it almost did cost us. It almost did cost us two points. And, you you know, which, whichever the season is, you cannot throw points away. This season, more than any other season, you can't do that. We've got the World Cup. we come back. We've got the Champions League, the rest of the league. You know, if, if there's any season you want to have... A 10-point cushion to other clubs. It's this season. So that when it comes to the business and the Champions League and the and the cups and stuff, we if we choose, if we want to, we should be able to rest players. We should be, you know, when you've done 20, 25 games, you want to be able to think, yeah, I can switch things up. If we don't get a result, it's not going to matter because we've got a 10-point cushion and you know that gap's going to be big enough. So you need every single point that you can get. And you know, let's be honest, Cancelo and City were lucky that we, you know, we we pulled this out of the bag right at the death. Yeah, much more on that a little bit later. What did you think of the response uh, from Fulham, um, Bernard? Well, what once he scored, once he scored the penalty, he just went back to plan plan A, didn't he? Which was just just to, just to defend. I mean, now they had a, a goal to defend, didn't they? Uh, let, let's be honest about it. It was one-one. Uh, they were happy with that. They'll take that. And uh, so it's got to be uh, all hands on deck, wasn't it, for uh, for the for the rest of the game? Because you could see they just sat back and. Uh, Obviously, let City come on to him. We didn't do that much, did we? In all fairness, with ten men, we had to re- regroup. Bernardo was uh, all of a sudden playing at the back, playing in midfield, playing on the wing. He was bloody everywhere. Uh, but obviously, even he can't do it on his own. And uh, yeah, certainly for the rest of that first half, I think Grealish had a reasonable chance just before half time, but uh, he went wide with a with a shot after a quick break. But uh, yeah, they were happy. They were well chuffed with that, and um, you know they, they were, would have been happy with that at full time as well. Yeah, same for you, Ray. Anything that um, that needs to be talked about between then and uh, the halftime whistle? No, not much happened. You know, Ben, as I said, that they were just defending. That's it. They'd got, you know, in all honesty, they were, they were happy to turn up um, and defend like mad uh, to get a point. That's all they wanted. Once it was back to one all, that's all they were going to do. They were not going to bother about anything else apart from uh, defending. Mm-hmm. Into halftime, um, Bernard. Any any changes? Any uh, visible response in a different tactical way? 
No, I was a bit. I thought he might have made changes a bit quicker. Uh, obviously, we we didn't get the changes till about the 64th minute with the with the substitutions, but there was absolutely nothing. I can't remember anything really happening between 46th minute and the 64th minute when the changes were made. Uh, you know, I'd, so I can't see the point of Pep delaying it. I think he should have made sort of changes, tactical, then got the team in some sort of formation with 10 men. As I said, we, we, as Ray in said before, uh, Pep has never. Never won, never won a game with ten men uh, in the Premier League. I don't think he's won one in Europe. I'm not too sure. So he had to think. For me, he should have rejigged it at half time and, and sorted it out. So I was a bit disappointed because we waited to the 64th minute before he actually tried to do something, which was a bit odd. That's right. Um, 63rd minute it was. Uh, of course, the crowd had been calling for it, screaming for it actually, uh, for Holland to come on. On he comes with uh, Phil Foden. Um, can't remember who went off though, Ray. Do you? <laughs> no. Um, uh, Grealish and Alvarez. Right, right. Gre- <laughs> Grealish had to be one going off. I'm sure we'll talk about him as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay, so they came on for the rescue mission. Um, but um, what happened next, Bernard? I mean, did that make much of a difference? And until well, it did. We started. Uh, obviously, Harlem was trying very hard. I thought he was trying a bit too hard. I mean, you know, he had he still had half an hour to go. He could have just uh, sort of reined it in just a little bit. Uh, we had an air an air shot from Harlem when from a Gundogan knockdown, which you know he, he perhaps could have done a little bit better. And then a John Stones cross. Uh, and Harlan was trying to do his seven foot long legs, was trying to get them up to a, a strange angle and that didn't quite work. So we were certainly trying. We were sort of finally putting the ball into where it mattered because we knew we had Harlan. So hopefully, hopefully we just thought it was a matter of time before before we got the goal because Fulham, I don't I don't think Fulham ventured anywhere near uh, our half again. So even say in that second half, again, they was quite happy just to sit back. Yeah, Ray, Haaland was, um, was going all out for it. He sensed that he was going to have an impact. Had a goal disallowed, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. it was a, it was a nice cross. Um, nice header, but the fellow was offside. Not by much. I, I don't know what part he's never, he's never off, He told us he's never offside. He's lied to us, guys. Haaland has lied. He said he's never offside. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what appendage of his was offside. It, it wasn't by much, was it? Uh, you know. Um, but hey, you know what they say, big feet, you're offside a lot. Um, so it, it, it was it was a nicely worked goal, and and you worry at that point that it's not going to happen, it's not going to come. That that winner, yeah, that, I mean that was that was 74th minute, wasn't it? So it's getting getting into the danger time, wasn't it? 74 yeah. minutes. But you think it's you think it's going to be one of those days, you know, it's not going to uh, happen for you. Everything's going to is going wrong, um, you know. But you've got to have a little bit of faith, Bernard. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm I'm typical city, typical city fan. I'm afraid. Uh, I, I did have faith. I still have faith. And to say when I, I don't have faith in VAR, I think you know even more and more that's getting more uh, ruining it a little bit more for me. I just took it as read the you know last three or four years, but I'm getting a bit flabbergasted with it to be honest with you it's getting me down a little bit because I just don't celebrate anything now I mean I checked the line oh when Harlan scored that goal and he obviously kept his flag down he didn't put it up after the event and you know they all line up to take it and you're at the match you don't know what the hell's going on we've had it all we've spoke about it before but yeah I mean it's never bothered me before I've sort of said well this is what it is we have to accept it but I'll be honest with you just recently it's it's really getting me down now to be honest with you okay I think it's a mixture of two things. One, they're just going to be quicker. Give us more information, yeah. be quicker. Uh, I think the offsides will get quick, quicker. They're supposed to move into some uh, semi-automated uh, offsides. Mm, so yeah, hopefully yeah. they'll get they'll, they'll just get them done quicker. You can't be spending four minutes. If it takes 30 seconds, I think we'll accept that, you know, four minutes is, or whatever it takes is too long. And the second one is the inconsistencies. And it's not VAR's fault. We know it's not VAR's fault. I mean, we're going to talk about this, but the fellow refereeing uh, our game that sent um, uh, Cancelo off was a line. Was a was he the VAR guy for the Liverpool game? And yeah, Darren said, England. Darren England. Yeah. Yeah, and he didn't give the penalty against um, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Shouldn't have sent him off because it was so it wasn't a denying 
denial of a goal scoring opportunity. But he pushed the guy to the floor in a penalty area, and it should have been a, it should have been a penalty. Um, that that was the call. Um, it, it, it's one of those because because in, in, um, the referee gave the decision in our case, VR didn't overturn it. And because the referee gave the decision in that case, the VR didn't get involved. But it's exactly the same in- incident in, t- in all reality. It's a push in the box and it ha- had to be a penalty. That's the flabbergasting, you know, yeah, thing about yeah. the, the decisions. And that's not VAR's fault. That's just shit referees. It is. There's, mm. no, there's no way. Uh, you can't wrap it. You can't wrap up a turd. It's it's crap refereeing. And it's such a poor level of uh, officialdom. That's the reason we were in this problem. If they could sort out a few, just a few things, stop all this time wasting. And Fulham are one of many teams that are uh, good at that. Stop the time wasting. Um, sort the handball out and be consistent in your decisions. And then I don't think we'd be worried that much about VAR. You know, the game would speed up. We'd have more time uh, uh, of, of active play. Um, you know, less hopefully dissent and just focus on the football. And if we can get the um, offside decisions done under a minute to start with, I think most people would be quite comfortable with that. And I think overall that would be better. But it's been going on, like you said, Ben, for so long and it hasn't got better yet. You know, it's nice to get some more accurate and correct decisions, but it has to get better and quicker. Mm. Well, Bernard, is there anything else that you want to uh, say before we get to the moment of the match? Well, no, because there's not that much. There wasn't that much happened <laughs> again uh, between the 74th minute of that goal being put, uh, sort of cancelled out, and the 93rd minute when it all kicked off again. It was, it was, say, a much, much enough. I mean, you looked at the uh, statistics, and I think we managed 16 shots in the game, but. Uh, I was struggling to sort of find them when I was looking looking back at the match report to actually put them in there. There was just not that much happening. Well, tell us a bit about this um, 95th minute, Ray. 95th, 93rd, whatever it was. Um, well, the ball got knocked to the far post. I think, um, I can't remember if Fulham player touched it or it evaded him. He ended up at KDB. He switched one way, then the other, and the Fulham player came in. And tickled his foot. <laughs> it wasn't a, a heavy. <laughs> it wasn't a lot. If we're honest. Did he was, dive, Ray? Was it was it a dive? As all the Liverpool fans are saying, was it a dive? Okay. Oh, you put me on the spot, here, Bernard. I, 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 can't, <laughs> I cannot lie. Um, it wasn't I who cut down the tree. No, no. What happened was the one of the problems with refereeing is was it a foul, Bernard? Do you think it was a foul? In real time, yeah. Okay, he did kick KDB, not by much, but he kicked him outside the box. You give that, okay? Outside the box in the cheap foul game, you get that given to you, okay? So if KDB hadn't gone down easily, let's say, he won't got he won't got a penalty, and that's the that's the problem. If you don't make that effort to to fling yourself to the floor slightly exaggerated you know know, I'm not saying anything like Mo Salah which is just ridiculous some of the stuff he's done but you've got to exaggerate the the foul otherwise you ain't getting it you know you see it so many times I remember once Sergio Guerra I think it was against Norwich or something he got fouled and he just stopped and turned to the ref you know, I think I can't remember if he picked the ball up and said basically that's a penalty and the ref kind of felt guilty and he he had to give it but if Guerra had you know, uh, what did they say? If they, he stayed on his feet and tried to carry on, you don't get it. So you've got to go down. There's no point. The ref's not going to play any, any advantage. You've got to go down. You've got to exaggerate. And that's a sad reality of where we are in football. Rest don't give them unless you go down, you know. Um, so whether it's a dive or uh, he went down. So, so, sorry, so, so if, England, if he had, the ref hadn't given it, VAR wouldn't have given it, would they? No. The, the ref hadn't given it, no. You want to give it? I, I, I doubt it very, very much because it was a slight touch. You know, you do have somewhere VR gets involved and will give it, but personally, I don't think VR would have given that. It was, it was such a slight touch. Um, so we thank the referee for giving that uh, uh, that that moment in time. Um, and oh, I'll let, let you talk about the goal, Bernard. Oh, sorry, I've spoiled <laughs> alert, alert. If you if you look away now, if you don't want to know the result. 
All right. So, Bernard, take it away. Well, um, it wasn't the car. But, I mean, we, th- we think he's the Iceman, don't we? He's admitted himself it was one of the nervous moments in his footballing career. And you could see all that ice. That ice was melting. I mean, he must have put that ball on that spot about five or six times and picked it up again and put it back down. Obviously, Len- even Leno was moaning at him. He was saying, get on with it. This is Leno who wastes time for England, you know, or wherever he is. I mean, if Leno's got to say, get on with it, there's something obviously wrong. And you could just sense he could just sense he wasn't confident I mean I I was up 80 90 yards away up the other end and I could sense he wasn't confident doing it and yeah he sort of did his usual didn't he just sort of did a Mares sort of penalty for me he got his foot round it obviously he didn't want to go in the same place he put the last one which I think is probably his best place to put him he wanted to he wanted to sort of uh, mix it up a bit, but Leno got it right. Le- and Leno literally dived over. He had it covered, and he actually his, his bulk. He sort of dived over it, and it sort of went underneath, and it sort of hit his side. And went, went and I thought from the other end, I thought he'd saved it. And it's only when the family stand went up, and I realised it had hit the back of the net. I I thought we'd missed it, and I was all ready to to cry into me non-existent beer. I just I just couldn't believe it. But, yeah, uh, you could tell the old Iceman was certainly melting, wasn't he, uh, Ray, on that one? Uh, the Iceman didn't come uh, for that moment. Um, it was, well, let's be honest, if Maris had said that, we'd have said what it was. It's, it was a shocking penalty. It was a poor penalty. I, 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 I accept there was a tremendous amount of pressure because we played most that game with 10 players. We'd huffed and puffed. We'd had control, still 70% of the of the possession. Uh, we were the dominant side. We'd had that um, goal, you know, chalked off for offside. Haaland is a guy who's desperate to score. The pressure on his shoulders would have been immense. It would have crushed lesser men. Uh, but call it as it is, it was a shocking penalty. Um, goalie should have saved it. Should have saved it. If you yep. go the right way and it's at the right height, you should be saving them. But Haaland afterwards, he didn't care. You know, it wasn't the best penalty, but it was the result that mattered. It ended up in the back of the net. And sometimes you get that look, you know, with the penalty. Uh, you know, you know, my my view is I always want to send the goalkeeper the wrong way and at the same time still place it into the corner. Um, and uh, Haaland did neither of these, but the result was there. We, we, I think we got what we deserved because we were the only team actually looking to win that game. But we were lucky. You know, we've been lucky a couple of times this season. Also, we've been unlucky as well this season. So, you know, take it on the on the chin and uh, you know, be happy for it. And uh, Harlem wheeled away, took his shirt off, Aguero-esque. I mean, everybody wants to be Aguero, doesn't it? I mean, you, you've got Alvarez slamming the ball into the roof of the net. You've got Harlem taking his shirt off and twirling it as he runs around the pitch. Um, what, so, what's going on? What's going on with the shirt under? I mean, he's from bloody. Where's he from? I mean, he should be used to the cold. What's he doing wearing a shirt under his under his other shirt? What's going on there? I know you're all guessing with us, Bernard, but <laughs> hey, look, look. Speaking to uh, uh, <clears throat> a highly trained athlete as uh, as such as me, and I'm wearing one now. You know. Uh, uh, <laughs> Um, you wear. Um, well, I've got my house coat on about four layers, so I can't speak. <laughs> just weird, just weird. But you've got to wear one of these um, wicking uh, undergarments, let's say, uh, to help uh, help you breathe and um, help you perform better. I'm just speaking from you know for, from personal experience. I think even in hot weather, I wear uh, something underneath my shirt. It helps me to perform better. It helps to to breathe. It, you know, it helps to get the moisture right quicker. And in the cold, when it's cold, keep the the warmth in. You just perform better. And and maybe, Bernard, maybe uh, when you were younger, if you'd done that, you'd have got those marginal gains as well. You'd have got the old. <laughs> and maybe, maybe because you know. Hey, I, I I only played in goal because I could wear gloves. That's that's the only reason I played in goal. <laughs> when you're diving, every inch or two matters. Isn't that right, Mike? It it does indeed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a, a, a pretty <laughs> special a celebration from. I'm, I'm going to bring this pod down to a base level. The ladies tell you that every inch counts when you're in goal. Oh, well, thanks for that, <laughs> advice, Ray. Thanks for that advice. Um, but it was a it was pretty spectacular uh, celebration from Pep as well. Pep in that water bottle. Did you see that close up? 
It was going crazy there. But I think he's got a prob a bit of a problem with his uh, mathematics, Ray, because um, this is Pep's. These these are Pep's comments after the game. He said about the penalty. He said when you play soft to one side, it's fifty fifty. You know whether it will, it will be saved or not. But if it is strong, it's uh, seventy five to thirty. I tell you what. I tell you, <laughs> I tell you what. Even at our age, you never want to be soft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right okay guys anything more to say about this one or will that will that do yeah, i'd just like to apologize i'd like to apologize to our female listeners that's all i want to do i'll try and keep it clean but, but, okay. but, but apologize after the event not before <laughs> okay like, you're on on a date with somebody and you apologize as you go out for your date no that's the wrong time to apologize uh, no, let's thing is, but it's, it's great it's bald a bit of piss hasn't it it's bald a bit of piss with opposition fans especially those uh, of the red persuasion um who you know are basically in our wake they, they, they're looking into the horizon and they can just see us disappearing um miles away tons of points away from them and they can't hack it and they're the ones that keep on coming back uh criticizing us you know we it's it's a it's a constant drip uh of news from uh, opposition fans about sports washing and human rights and uh, ffp and buying this and buying that and oil money and when we get on to talk a little bit about our accounts that were out today you know it's it's the same people can't just cannot accept what our owners said you know what shape not shape and said it um but our chairman Khaldun al-mubarak said you know all those years ago that you know w- w- basically city want to be dominant we want to be what everybody else strives to strives for we want to be that top dog and everybody tries to copy us and that's basically where we are right now playing Still some of the best football. We won four league titles out of five or something um, uh, in the last five years. You know, we've got a good chance for this one. People are jealous and there's all this talk. You know, you got um, Mike's great buddy, Mark Goldbridge, saying City should be banished from the league because we make it boring and all <laughs> that. Uh, you know, and y- your fellas and Mike's other buddies, the Anfield rap, uh, talking tosh as usual. I don't know why Mike listens to them. I mean... Uh, maybe they'd have a, a similar intellectual persuasion to him, but I, I don't know. But these guys just talk rubbish. But it is people are just jealous of what we are, what we've become, and what they've become. And they don't say enough about their own management, ownership, and how they're run. They want to criticise us and have a go at us. But criticise you, look at looking house and look what you're, you, you guys are doing wrong. You know, Liverpool fans are c- complaining at the moment. You spent a shed load of money this last um, two windows. You know, you got um, you got Diaz, you got Nunes. You know, you spent a shed load of money. Don't criticise City. Um, look at your own position and see what where you're going wrong. Yeah, Bernard, give me your thoughts on um, a, a couple of the results on the next day. So obviously, uh, Chelsea nil, Arsenal one, Aston Villa three, Manchester United one. Oh, it's a great shape. Just, just want to say, guys, that we were mentioned about ten-man pep teams not winning games. That's the the first Premier League game City have won with ten men since March 2014, the 2-0 win over Hull, which you'll remember where Vinny was sent off after ten minutes and kicked the oh, old right. uh, changing room door, if you remember, which was quite funny. So, eight, eight years, eight years. So that's not Gabby too bad. Yards, didn't he? That game, I remember. Yeah, yeah. ago. All right. Yeah, yeah so United. Yeah, as you said, uh, a good win for Arsenal again. They still keep turning it over. Uh, I think they well deserved the win by the looks of it, and a good win for Aston Villa. Uh, new manager bounce, obviously. Uh, they play them in the cup this week as well, don't they? So probably United will get their own back. But uh, it was it was it was good to see. Um, yeah, the United bubbles burst again, yet again. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. Liverpool won. Liverpool won. That's that's. I mean, that was the only thing that, for me, that stopped it being a great weekend of results. I'm not worried about Arsenal yet. With, what, 13 games in the season? It's only a third of the way through. 
know, take them semi-seriously. I'm not taking, as I said it before, I won't take them seriously until they play 20, 25 games. If they're still up there within four or five points of City or, or four or five points ahead, then you take them seriously. Right now, it's still still too early, but it's a shame Liverpool won. Uh, Spurs again put a, a, a started <laughs> off negatively, toothless, cowardly. Are you listening, Mr. Conte? Cowardly performance against Liverpool. Um, you know, basically saying uh, giving them two goals before they did anything in the second half. Uh, and I, I think from what I've been hearing, they've been doing that far too often, letting in the first goal in the first half, slow start, negative, <laughs> concede, and then they have to come back in the second half. You cannot keep going to the well. You cannot keep doing that against better teams. You'll get found out. And Liverpool are too good a side. Uh, and Spurs, you know, went away with with their tail between their legs and they're, they're slipping away. I heard Conte, uh, I think post-match, you know, talking about investment. He, he wants more money. Um, you know, his, his big problem, I think, is he's just been investing in the squad. He needs two or three top players. He needs two or three more top players to transform that first 11. It's no good. It's, yeah, it's great having a strong bench, but you need to be making your team better because your team's not winning games. You know, It's a squad game and all that, but you, your first 11 has got to be better to, to make sure you win more games. Yeah, I'm just looking at that league table now, guys. It's looking pretty interesting. Uh, there, There's now um, a 15-point gap between us and the, and the Dippers. And a, a goal difference uh, of, uh, t- uh, what, 27 uh, for Man City to nine for Liverpool. They're looking really, really um, a big struggle to get into the top four. But, I, think uh, make, I still think they'll make the top four. I don't think they're, if we're honest, you look at it, they're on 19. They've got a game in hand over Newcastle and Spurs, who are occupying third and fourth. They win that. They're in four, within four points of, of Spurs, so I, I don't think um, you can just you can discount them. Uh, but it'd be interesting, obviously Newcastle. Yeah, they're getting up there. Win, spanking mm-hmm. win, which obviously has cost uh, uh, Hassan Hootel uh, finally his job. He, he, he's been given the boot. Um, and our friend Almiron, Miguel Almiron, has scored was it seven in seven? Um, mm-hmm. I, I wonder if uh, Jack Grealish uh, he, he gets reminded this on a on a daily basis about making fun of Miguel Almiron. And actually, you know, Almiron's the guy who's been knocking in the goals, putting in the performances. And Jack Grealish, if it, we might not have time to talk about him t- today because so much has been going on, has been a bit of a disappointment. And maybe, you know, I, I always say you've got to be careful about opening your big gob, especially about other players, because it can come back to haunt you. And, and Almiron's the, 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 the guy who's going to get, I think, uh, he got goal of the. Did he get goal of the month? Uh, he's he's going to get player of the month as well. He's having a fabulous time. And Newcastle, they're not the real deal yet. I mean, they're they're five points behind us. We got a game in hand, but you know they can dip uh, dip again into the transfer market in January. They got some really really interesting players already. Get one or two more. Um, I, I don't see why they can't stay in that top in top four contention for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, let's move this in a different direction and talk about the Champions League uh, final 16 draw. What do you think? What do you reckon, Bernard? Yeah, good draw. I mean, obviously, uh, we've got a great record in Germany, although obviously Leipzig were the, were the last team to beat us, weren't they? And it, was, it wasn't that long ago, was it? 7th of December 2021, uh, Kyle Walker got sent off late on in that one, didn't he? So, yeah, there's a lot of omens. They beat Real Madrid as well, didn't they, in the group stages, which was, wasn't was a bad result, 3-2, or they got beat away uh, by Real Madrid. But I think of, the, of this, what, six teams we could have played, I think we were happy. We were all right. Brugge would have been uh, perhaps slightly easier. But the six in the Bundesliga doing OK. Uh, they've got 22 points from 13 games in six spots, six behind the leaders, Bayern. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're pretty well chuffed with that, aren't we, guys? What do you think, Ray? Yeah, can't argue with that. You know, um, it's, it's a decent draw for City. Could have been worse. We could have been playing PSG. Could have been slightly better playing someone like Bruges. But um, you know, you got to back yourself. You got to be confident, as Bernard said. You know, Liverpool against Real Madrid. Uh, it's a peach of a tie. Uh, you know, someone's someone a big team's going out. Big team's going out. And I like the way uh, I like the way UEFA make the small team 
play at home in the first leg. Uh, I like the way they do that. Uh, so, <laughs> to Anfield. And then obviously you've got that other big game, PSG versus Bayern Munich, mouth-watering. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to have one of the minnows, or a couple of the minnows getting through, I think. I think, I can't remember the exact ties, but you've got Bruges versus, was it Benfica or something? Yeah, yeah. Versus Porto. So you're going to have, arguably, you know, a couple of slightly weaker teams in the quarterfinal, but you're going to be missing two big balls. Dortmund, Chelsea, that's their two weak teams. Yeah. (laughs) Milan and Spurs. I mean, you know, it's giving Spurs, it gives Spurs a chance to get through, you know, um, pretty negative team. It gives them a chance, but, you know, as someone said, it could be that City are the only English side left after, you know, given some of the dominance in the last few seasons is is a bit of a shocker. Um, but, hey, you know, um, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I've got to mention this. I've got to mention this as well. The Europa League draw, the that playoff uh, uh, has been made and United, Manchester United, uh, playing against Barcelona. You can't believe that. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that. Very good. <laughs> uh, you know, Europa League, Man United versus Barcelona. And, you know, each club is going to say, oh, wow, it's a mouthwatering tie, two giants and blah, 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 blah. And it's a playoff in the Europa League for failed Champions League teams. You know, uh, sorry, United, yeah, United failed because they didn't even get there. But Barcelona dropped out and played Man United. And that's how... That's, I mean, that's where those clubs are headed. You know, that's a different direction in teams like Man United and Barcelona and, and, and City. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you reckon about this? Uh, this hot off the press, uh, Bernard, the Fenway Sports Group have put Liverpool up for sale. Interesting. Yeah, I did. No, I think I think go to Ray with that one because I'm uh, fairly new to me. Uh, you told me just before we came on air. I think Ray probably knows a little bit more about what's going on there. Yeah, but, I mean, I've been pushing for this. I've been doing my FSG hash, hashtags for ages. <laughs> <laughs> well, some Liverpool fans are going to get what they wanted. Now, this is uh, a story from David Ornstein. And i got to say, David Ornstein, uh, I've mentioned his name a few times. He's a football correspondent for The Athletic. I don't know if he still does stuff for the BBC, but when they did kind of a, a, a league table or, or a, a percentage correct uh, transfer news uh, rumor and the BBC with a high had the best record I think when they put their own information out because they needed two sources or they had you know from some some stuff in the past where the BBC had done a bit of a uh, had cocked up on some stuff they need two sources or they got it I'd be very very strong um, and it wasn't sport it was politics or something else so and David Austin especially with Arsenal I think he got almost everything right when he talks Arsenal, he, he obviously knows what he's, he's doing. He's got his contacts within the club. And he basically said, Liverpool have been put up for sale by uh, FSG, the Family Sports Group. Sale deck has been produced for interested parties. Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley, uh, investment bankers, uh, assisting evaluation process. Unclear if the, if the deal gets done, but S, FSG are inviting offers. And that came out at lunchtime today. So... Um, that's going to be really interesting. And then uh, FSG. Why have they done it, Ray? Why, why are they selling it? What, what's the what, just, why? The, what's the reason? I'm just going to read that FSG put out a statement, so I might as well quickly hmm. read that. They said there have been a number uh, of recent changes of ownership and rumours of changes in ownership at EPL clubs, and inevitably we are asked regularly about Fenway Sports Group's ownership in Liverpool. FSG has frequently received expressions of interest from third parties seeking to become shareholders in Liverpool. FSG has said before that under the rights and right terms and conditions, we would consider new shareholders if it was in the best interests of Liverpool as a club. FSG remains fully committed to the success of Liverpool, both on and off the pitch. Now, it, you, you can look at it and say... The American owners want a certain level of control and, and consistency, and they don't get that in Europe. If you look at something like the NFL uh, or their other sports, they're franchised. Okay, um, they're franchised. There's no relegation. There's no promotion relegation. So once you've got the franchise, you're in. Unless you make a you know some p- terrible political uh, politically incorrect statement, you can you're going to stay there. 
you've got salary caps. You've got, you know, wage uh, a bill or a maximum amount of wages you can spend. And that's it. That's what you spend. So they love that because they get a better level of control over costs. And if they can make more money, that's more profit for them. It's high. Obviously, it's high profile. It's a lot of power and influence and everything else. They don't get that with us. They, that's the model that they, they're trying to push towards, like the European Super League. That's what that's all about. It's about having that control. Remember the uh, project Big Picture, Liverpool and Man United? That was about having control over where the money goes and basically making more for yourselves. That's what they want. They're in this situation now where they, they do spend a lot of money on Liverpool. You know, they spend a lot of the profits earned by Liverpool or the income on players, wages, bonuses, agents fees and, and all that gubbins. OK, um, and the value of Liverpool has risen phenomenally, phenomenally. It's worth, I reckon, three, four. They'll, they'll probably get five billion dollars or five billion quid or whatever when if this if they sell the club based on what happened at uh, the Chelsea sale. Um, then the level of investment required is very high if you want to compete. Very, very high. And they're possibly looking at this and saying, hang on, we've been shoveling a lot of money in here. Not our own money, but Liverpool's money. And we're, at best, second. We're not the best team in Europe. We won one Champions League. All right, we got to three finals, but we won one Champions League. In the Premier League, we've come very close twice in the last five years, where we we come second by a point. Very, very close. But we won once in five years. That's it. Now, the, possibly they're looking at this season and saying, hang on, we're getting pasted left, right and centre. For us to compete, we, we they can't compete at the top table. They couldn't get someone like Haaland. We can talk about Jude Bellingham. And, you know, Liverpool fans are convinced he's going to Liverpool, that he wants to go there, that they're suddenly ahead of Real Madrid in pecking order. They ain't paying the money. They, they're not going to spend 120 million on Jude Bellingham, I don't think. Um, so they now can look at it and say they're not the top top dogs in the transfer market. Yes, players still want to go there, but City are a good destination club. Real Madrid and Barcelona are still there. You've still got Chelsea who are going to spend money. Bayern Munich are a good destination club. Uh, and so Liverpool are one of the top dogs, but they can't afford the top wages. They can't afford the top um, uh, transfer fees. So they're not going to get the top players. Can you imagine how good Liverpool would have been if they'd got Haaland? If they could have afforded Haaland, the difference he's made to City, he'd have made to Liverpool. I'm not saying Liverpool would be top, but they'd be up there challenging uh, high. So they're going to have to spend a lot of money, which I don't think they want to do. Th that's a big thing. And they can see, look at what's happened this season. They haven't got the squad depth and money. And the only way to get around that, you know, uh, in the short term is spending money. They don't want to. And if someone comes along and says, here's five million dollars, maybe they sell up. And the timing is the timing might be right. They've, they've owned Liverpool for over 10 years, 12, 13, 15 years. So maybe the timing is right for them to move on, uh, take the money, make the profit uh, and look somewhere else to do it again. Look, I mean, look somewhere else to see if they can buy another club and do the same sort of thing, transform another club because the money's in the transformation. Right now, there's not a lot of upside to their investment. <laughs> if it's worth five, $5 billion now, unless you get the Super League or something major happens, and if they don't think the Super League is going to happen, they'll say, well, what is the upside? They're better off spending a billion on another club and trying to make them worth three or four billion quid. So yeah, that's how I, I, I see it. Timing is right. It's too expensive uh, to compete with Manchester City. We're just too good. What's up next for City, Bernard? Well, we've got the old Carabao Cup. Um, interesting. Uh, if, we get, if we get nine of this right this week, I'll be well chuffed. Yes, we've got the visit of Chelsea. A lot of people think Chelsea will go as strong as they can. I don't particularly think they will. So, uh, yeah, it should be an interesting game. And All right, uh, we let Liverpool edge ahead last season, didn't we? Get nine wins. Does Pep really want the Carabao Cup this season? I'm not too sure, but he'll, he'll want he'll want a win on this before, obviously, the Brentford game. So I'm quite looking forward to it. And it'd be nice to see if uh, Raheem Sterling plays. I'll be quite enjoy watching him come back. Fans <laughs> singing, where's Raheem Sterling? There'll be no top of the league this time. You know, where's, where are Chelsea in the league? Back seventh or something. So, uh, yeah, they're seventh. Yeah, six, six, I think. Yeah. yeah. Seventh, seven, we're down in seventh. Seven. 
Yeah, Ray, were you um, we, we used talking earlier earlier about something concerning City's finances? Yes, yeah, City's have uh, released their financial statements uh, today. Uh, I'll give, go, I won't go into too much detail, but it's there's some quite interesting uh, numbers uh, and stats. So the headlines are the revenue is 613 million pounds. Now that's the second highest in Premier League history. Wages. 354 million, which is, some people think that that has come as a surprise. It's pretty much the same as last year. Uh, we made what's called an, an operating loss. That's from day-to-day activities of 23 million quid, which I think is half what we did the season before. Obviously, things have messed up a little bit because of COVID. You know, one season, the previous season, I think we had 44 Premier League games uh, because we had, we had a lot in that accounting period. Next season, next set of accounts, we had fewer. Uh, but we, what we did, we sold players. Now, we made a profit on sales of players of £68 million. Now, it wasn't just uh, the, the sales of um, Sterling, uh, the sale of Zinchenko <coughs> and uh, Jesus. There were a lot of uh, other players that went as well, players from the academy like Gavin Bazunu, uh, the goalkeeper that we sold to Southampton for about uh, £12 million. Quid. There was Romeo Lavia, who went to Southampton again. There was Samuel Idozi. Again, he went to Southampton. Darko Giabe, he went to Leeds. We had Ko Itakura uh, to Borussia Mönchengladbach. Ajana Muric, he went to Burnley. Uh, we saw the fellow called Antti Palaversa, who went to Estac Troy, one of our sister club. Clivert Aguilar to Lomaleske, another sister club in Belgium. Luca Bassington, I think it's important to read all the names out, who went to Brighton. Marlos Moreno, who went to Estat Troy. Uh, Ryotaro uh, Machino went to Gamba Osaka. Claudio Gomez went to Palermo. Daniel Azani went to MacArthur FC. Pablo Moreno went to Maritimo. A lot of players we sold. Now, what that's done... We had a net income on these transactions of about 35 million quid. Now, net spend, I'm not going to go into too much detail, is a pointless, 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 pointless thing because there's uh, so much more going on. But I think City have just said that it shuts those net spend nerds up. That You know, the ones like the, usually it's the Liverpool fans, fans of other clubs, they've got no idea what net spend means. They just go and chuck it out there because they feel... Uh, they can score points against City. And occasionally I'll chat with these people, but it's a waste of time because they're so convinced they're right, they won't accept anything. They haven't got a clue what they're talking about. So it's it's great that we've got this um, the player sales. So we made a profit on sales of 68 million. Our profit overall was just over 40 million quid, which is double our more than double our previous record. Our squad cost were the first... Premier League team with a squad cost of over one billion pounds. First time ever. So um, the numbers are great. You know, pe- yeah, people are coming out and saying we're the first team that's got over 300 million pounds in a, in, in a year in sponsorship. And yes, people come out and say there's a lot of Abu Dhabi stuff in there. There's a lot of, you know, there's companies that don't exist. And a few, I think a few uh, Premier League clubs have been done like that. I think was it Brighton or somebody last week where there was a company that just didn't really exist. There's lots of crypto companies or betting companies that come along to give you sponsorship. And it is really uh, very, I don't know if it's dark money or no one's got an idea about these companies. So it's very, let's be honest, they're dodgy. Okay. Uh, But we're not the only ones who got, you know, found out for doing something like that. Um, but, I mean, it's another interesting thing is our match day income. We, we talk about this a lot. Our match day income is about 55 to 60 million quid. United's is, all, is about 110 million. Tottenham's, the last set of accounts was 95. With their new stand, the new stadium, it's going to be probably it'll eclipse Man United. Arsenal get 96 million. Liverpool get 84. Chelsea get 67. So we're miles behind them. I think we're talking about a, a final expanding the stadium to 60,000 seats. Um, but that's only going to bring in maybe 10 million quid a year. That's it. Um, so the, there is a potential. You can look at that and say, we can make more money out of the fans. I don't think that would work. You know, you put City's season card up by, you know, if you say 25%, a lot of people just say, we're not going. It's happened before. People pull out. So, um 
that's the way we're going to keep getting ahead is by spending money. And, you know, it, it, it's great that you look at stuff. Um, what's it? Um, Colin Savage, Press, Press Rich Blue, said something basically. Jack Grealish cost us nothing in terms of what we who we released and the sales we made. Jack Grealish's cost to the club every year was nothing last season because we sold players. We got rid of a lot of players. Getting rid of people like Sterling, Zinchenko and um, Gabriel Jesus from our wages probably saved us five or six hundred thousand pounds a week because I think Sterling was probably on best part of three hundred thousand. That covers Haaland's wages and his most of his bonuses. So, you know, all these things make, make a huge difference to us. We are in rude health. We're in the rudest of health of all uh, the clubs. Uh, everything's looking fantastic, both on and off the pitch. And yes, that has boiled a lot of piss today. A lot of piss because people just can't handle wh- where we are and where we're going and where their clubs are. And as I said it earlier on, you know, they don't want to look at what's going wrong with their club. They want to pull us back and say we're cheating, we're fiddling this, we're fiddling that. It's a load of rubbish, you know. Um, um, we're just a, an extremely well-run club who don't make many mistakes in the transfer market. We've got the best manager. We've got some of the best players in the world. I heard um, someone, was it Simon Jordan, saying, you know, uh, we, Alden uh, Graham Sooners, we've got world-class players. There's, you know, some that you can't replace like for like when you put subs on, but you can't replace Edison, Haaland, Bernardo Silva and KDB. Everybody else, this is Graham Sooners' opinion, everybody else can be replaced with somebody from the bench who's equally as good. We've, we're just fantastic. And, uh, you know, uh, thank God we're still alive. You know, us old fellas. And let's hope that we stay alive for a few more years to keep on enjoying this because as long as Pep's around, you know, there's rumours that he's going to sign a new contract. Look how happy he was, how excited he was about what was going on 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 Saturday when we won that game, does that look like a guy who's going to leave at the end of his contract? It looks like a guy who's committed, who's going to be here, hopefully for a, another three or four seasons. Uh, the, I've, I've, and I said this the moment he, he he joined and especially when he signed his first extension, the longer he stays at Manchester City, the more of this his DNA is going to be into the club, and the longer we will be able to cope. Once he's gone, you saw how quickly United fell off a cliff. You see how quickly other uh, uh, clubs collapsed like Arsenal when a a long serving manager leaves. But I think as soon as Pep leaves, his DNA is imprinted in this club, you know, and we're looking at people like Vinny doing really well, Vincent Company, potentially to, you know, be a manager of ours in three or four years time. But I think we will survive better once Pep goes than any of the other clubs, uh, you know, in the, in the recent past, and we'll just keep on winning stuff. So it's a great time to be a city. It's a bit, ah, say it again. It's a great time to be a city fan. Well, final thoughts to uh, Bernard. Bernard, what, what will yeah. you be doing? What, what uh-huh. will you be doing on Wednesday night? Uh, Wednesday, well, I'll be watching the game. Uh, obviously, I'll be uh, enjoying it. We've only got a couple left now, guys, and we have to suffer the World Cup, don't we? That, that's the problem. But uh, Probably worse for Arsenal. I think Arsenal don't want this uh, little break, do they? Probably more than anybody else, because we'll have to see what they do when they come back. But uh, I'll be enjoying Wednesday night. Just getting back to the the turn. I think it's only Barcelona have had a higher turnover. I think Ray from from what I read than we've managed on on the exactly. money. I guess it was. I, I didn't know. I, I don't look at yeah. the, the the list. Yeah, only Barcelona. Only Barcelona in history have had a higher. Uh, United are 30 million, I think, 30 million behind us. So, hey, yeah, uh, as Ray was saying there, I echo everything he says. And the same about Pep as well. You know me, I always expected Pep to go. But at this point in time, I can't see him going anywhere. Well, guys, I think we'll finish off there. Just a word of advice for uh, any of the listeners. Um, check out YouTube and check out the EDS game, uh, Man City against Man United. It was a, a, a handsome scoreline, 6-1 to the EDS. <laughs> and uh, there could be a new big, a new star, you know, on the horizon with this guy, uh, Borges. I think his name was, who apparently was outstanding. Oh, yeah, so I, I, like, I, like, I like the way the guys were doing the Mickey take and taking the piss of the United celebrations with the yeah. Sues and the uh, and the sort of palms on the chests and all this. I thought that was very funny. 
Carlos Borges, if I mean, I watched uh, 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 a replay of last season's game. I think when we beat them five one, I think he scored a trick in that one. And he does like scoring a goal. He does like celebrating. He really enjoys it, and he does like searching out for the cameraman and making sure he gets a good picture taken. Te- te- so um, I think what watch. I think as Bernard said last week when it, it, he was in the um, he was in the squad. He was added to the squad list. For the Champions League game, and people, oh, he's going to play, he's going to play, <laughs> which is crazy. But I, I just think that was an important moment for the kid. It was really important because that's the first time, you know, he's he's training with the big boys, he's training with the first team, he's training with the top players, he's training with Haaland and the others. He's in that squad, he's with the players, so he's getting that experience, uh, and it shows to me that um, I think they think he could make it. You know, I'm not saying he's going to make it all the way to the top, but he could make it into a, into a good level. Um, so there's got to be a little bit of excitement about that. You know, I don't hear much about uh, Liam Delap anymore, but it's all about Carlos Borges. So, um, you know, look, it's it's fantastic for City the way we're going. There's just so much we could talk about, but I know this pod's got to draw to an end. It has, guys. We're we're over the hour mark, but um, everything rosy in the garden at the moment. Let's hope it stays like that. And we'll try to get back with you after the, ne- the next game. So we'll finish off in the normal way with the usual, have one of us, guys. Have one of us. And up those blues. Up the blues. blues. <laughs>